Amen. Uh, God's been good. Thank you so much for what y'all have done to help us. I know y'all sponsored rolls of papers in the past. Uh, man, it just, uh, every year gets, if I can talk Southern for a second, gooder and gooder. <laughs> I mean, it does. I believe that God wants his Bible and his word out more than we ever thought possible. I mean, just the doors that he's opened and the, just the avenues of getting them out. I mean, last year alone, we sent 600,000 Ukrainian New Testaments to Ukraine area. We went into Romania, Hungary, Hungary there, and uh, Poland, and uh, Ukraine personally. And I mean, just the, just the reports of what God's doing in the midst of all of that war. I mean, I've always said that it's sad, but have you ever noticed that where there's war, there's turmoil? Where there's turmoil, there's people looking for hope. You know, it's almost like 9-11. When everything hit 9-11, every church in America was packed. Some of them were standing room only because people want to know what's going to happen and they always know where to come to find out what's going to happen. That's the man of God and the word of God. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 55, 11. The Lord gave me this message a little while ago. And uh, what I love about it is, is it's ideal for this ministry. If you don't mind, I want to preach tonight or teach on the subject of the greatest gift. And when I say that, please don't get me wrong. I know the Holy Spirit that dwells inside us is the greatest gift. But the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Word of God, is what brings somebody to salvation. Because without the book, there is no salvation. How would you know Jesus Christ died on the cross? I mean, I don't know about you, but there ain't too many people I would trust with that statement. It's because they are able to take me to the Bible and say, Thus saith the Lord. And that's the reason why I'm able to have confidence in my salvation. In Isaiah 55, 11, it reads, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereinto I sent it. How many of you love guarantees from the Word of God? Man, I love them. I love that verse that says, Forsaking not the assembly of yourselves together. I mean, if there's anything that I learned in 2020, is how important the church house is. There's unity, there's power, there's excitement. I remember in the South, uh, we had a bad, I was sharing with Pastor, our web pressman got sick, and he got sick bad. So when he got sick, our pastor had made a call to shut down church for a while because it was a pretty bad case, and we, I think we shut it down for three weeks. Our assistant pastor kept online, but, but when he shut it down, I mean, I enjoyed, I have to admit it, I enjoyed going upstairs, turning on the TV with my coffee in my pajamas and watching my pastor preach. That was kind of fun. But have you ever noticed it just don't feel the same? My dad made this statement at our scripture conference in 2020. He says, you know, going to church online is like kissing your wife over the phone. All you get is the smack and none of the sugar. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of truth to that. I love the guarantees. I love the fact that God tells you to pay your tithe, give you 10%. He says, if you do, I'll bless you because it's His anyway. It's already His. 
So you see these guarantees in the Word of God because God cannot fail, God cannot lie, and He won't steer you wrong either. So when I talk about this in this passage of Scripture, when he says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish it which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. There's two things I want you to see this evening. First thing is, is the amazing ministry of the Word of God. How many of you believe that the Word of God has a ministry? Amen. The first one is going to be and always will be salvation. And I remember at a 12-year-old boy, uh, my pastor gets up to preach. He walks up to the pulpit, and somebody says, hey, I need to testify. For over two hours, I listened to people and their testimonies of salvation. And I remember walking into my house and looking at my mom, and my mom, I say, Mom, I don't have anything like that. And my mom opened up her Bible. She got me lost before she got me found. And I got saved that, that evening. You see, the Bible says the Word of God is the power of God unto salvation. You see the amazing ministry of the Word of God in salvation. Now you see the amazing ministry of the Word of God in growth. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that they may grow thereby. How many of you think it would have been sad that if I would have got saved at 12... And I never picked up my Bible and read it. I'd have never grown in anything. I'd have never grown in Christ. I'd have never grown in the Word of God. That's why I tell people all over the world, I said, one of the greatest fruits of knowing that you're saved, you have a hunger and a thirst to know what's in the Word of God. Because it says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that they may grow thereby. New Christians ought to be desiring to know something about God. But you know, that's sad that I would have chose not to willingly, but there's a lot of people over there on the foreign fields that don't have that opportunity. They don't get to pick up the Word of God. They don't get to grow like they should be able to. We were given an opportunity to work in the Philippines, Baguio City, Philippines, and we printed uh, two containers for that project, and in every one of them, uh, we printed an insert page in every one of the Bibles and New Testaments we sent over there with contact information and a website that they set up so we can help uh, instruct people to where to go if they get a Bible or if they get saved, where to go. Because I believe, I am a firm believer, one of the greatest letdowns in our churches is our discipleship program. I mean, we want to know, hey, I went out and won 15 people to Christ this week. Where are they at? That's because we don't take time to disciple them, take time to love on them and show them why we believe and what we believe. The Bible is true when it says it. It says making disciples of them. He wants you to teach them what you know. It's part of the Great Commission. Just winning souls is not it. You have to disciple them. So I've always been an avid believer about this. So when they presented this to me, I loved it. I said, man, this is great. Because if you're passing out a million scriptures, how are you going to disciple everybody? So you're giving them a way to be discipled. And so in one week's time, we saw 114,000 people get on the website and say, we received the Bible. What do we do next? 
Uh, here are some of the churches who are in building projects, churches that were running 50s or running hundreds now, churches that were running hundreds or running thousands now. Why? Because God did what he said he would do. His word will not return unto him void. You see the amazing ministry of the word of God and salvation? You see it in growth. Now you see it in edification. Man, I don't know about you, but I like to feel good. I like it when my pastor gets up and he preaches a, just a great message, and I go, wow, man, I, I'm doing something. You know, we like to be edified. It's the pastor's responsibility. It's part of his job to edify the saints. The Bible tells him it is. But you know, one of the things that I've come to realize that the pastor can't do it without the Word of God. It's the Word of God with the pastor using it to edify the saints. I was given a privilege not too long ago. I was given a phone call. A lady needed a Bible to China, Chinese Bible, and I had a few of them. And so I sent her one, and I uh, got a phone call from her, and the pastor, the pastor telling me, says, Brother, do you remember this Bible you sent me in China? I said, Absolutely. He says, I've got to read this letter to you. He says, Dear Pastor, thank you for giving me this Bible. I got it into China. That was great. I don't know about you, but I mean, just any other day, I mean, I've given more Bibles out than I can count. But I mean, this was special. When she said that, I know something about, I got friends in China that are missionaries, and I know that there's some providences in China that are closed and some providences in China that are open. There are, China is the number one Bible producer of the world. They just don't know what Bible to produce. So you got this conflict inside of China. And when she said that, that she's uh, got this Bible into China, I mean, my ears perked up. I said, whoa, this is going to be good. But what she got me and what changed my life is she concluded her letter by saying, right now every member of my family is handwriting them their own copy of the Word of God. I got off that phone weeping. I looked at my wife. I said, I'm going to handwrite me a copy of the Word of God. I got to Genesis chapter 22 and said, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I got 50,000 in any given day. I said, why am I writing this? I mean, it's not as easy as it looked. I mean, you see the amazing ministry of the Word of God. You see it in salvation. You see it in growth. You see it in edification. Second thing I want you to see is the amazing multiplication of the Word of God. You know, one thing that I have loved about being in this ministry, I'm sure your pastor gets to experience this. He gets to talk to missionaries all over the world. I mean, I mean, it's nothing for me to get woke up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, and it's a missionary on the other side of the world saying, uh, Mr. Lamont, I need Bibles. I go, I can't help you till after 8. Call back. <laughs> That's what I want to say. <laughs> but I mean, it's just something about getting to talk to them. And you know this amazing multiplication of the Word of God, you'll see this in expansion. They say that every copy of the Word of God that goes to the foreign field reaches somewhere between 8 to 20 people's lives. You know what that tells me? That tells me the world's not unreachable. It's just unreached. You see, 
When they, I talk to people from Haiti, I talk to people from China, I talk to people from Africa, and I mean, they all say somewhere between 8 to 20 people's lives. And so if there's 8 billion people that live on this planet, it only would take us printing 1 billion Bibles to reach the world for Christ. You see this amazing multiplication of the Bible, multiplication. And you see that in the expansion. Now I want you to see it in the expectancy. This is one of my favorite things, brother. We're not trying to replace the missionary. We're just trying to give them the tools that they need to do the job God's called them to do. You see, I've often wondered why we would send a soldier to war without a gun. Now I'd like to know why we'd send a missionary to war without a sword. You see, this expectancy, the Bibles that we send over there, will remain there way longer than the missionary will get to. Every year, I have missionary friends that have to come home off the foreign field. I had a missionary friend to India that went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you're going to die here if you stay. He had to come home. Bibles we sent him are still over there doing the job that God's called him to do. Had a missionary friend of Belize that he went to the doctor and the doctor told him, he said, you're going to die if you stay here. Guess what? The Bibles are still over there doing the job that God's called him to do. Had another missionary that got under attack uh, and uh, threatened his family and everything. His home pastor told him to say, you need to come home for a while. He's working in the Philippines now uh, as a missionary. He's an American field rep for uh, nationals, and he's doing a great work for Philippines. But he was over there. We sent him several containers of Bibles, and his family was starting to get threatened and death threats. And uh, the home pastor thought he was uh, uh, safer. That He said, why don't you just come home for a while? And he came home for a while. He wasn't home very long until a missionary came his way and presented this work and he said pastor I want to work with them he says go right ahead so I mean he's raising a lot of money to send Bibles and different things and different nationals to the Philippines and I tell you what I mean every time I talk to him I mean I just thank God for the Bibles that we send him over there they're still doing the job that God's called him to do I mean God says his word won't return unto him void, but it shall accomplish it whereunto he sent it. You can't give the gospel to the wrong person either. Here's the last point I want you to see real quickly. The last point is the amazing multiplication of the word of God. You see it in expansion, expectancy. What about evangelistic cycle? My mom and dad... They didn't do a lot of traveling for the ministry. Grandpa did that. My dad did the printing. So they liked to be at home, and they did a, you know, they, they always preached to us about being plugged into your church and doing things, whatever needs to be done, get on fire for God. My dad, uh, the junior church uh, worker, retired, and uh, dad took over the position, and now he was the, the uh, junior church, the younger kids uh, superintendent of the school there, uh, Sunday school there, and he was... One day he was, uh, my, me and Tiffany started dating. We just started dating. I was so mad at her. And uh, 
my dad over dinner table, he says, y'all pray that we need somebody to teach five to eight-year-olds in our, our church. Tiffany says, me and Shannon will do it. I said, no, we won't either. She won, like always. And I remember teaching these classes for five years before God called us into full-time ministry. And, and I remember my wife getting up and singing songs like, Each One, Reach One. When I started studying this, it was like a light bulb clicked off on my head. You know what that means? That if everybody in here would make it their goal in 23 to reach one person for Christ, guess what we just did? We just doubled in size. I said, this is going to be good. I called a pastor, missionary friend of mine to Kenya, Africa, and I called him and I said, brother, I explained it to him. I said, I said, Americans, we don't like this kind of stuff. We don't like math. That's why it doesn't work in America. I said, but would it work in Kenya, Africa? He said, what are you proposing? I said, let me guess. I said, get, correct me if I'm wrong. I said, we just sent you 30,000 Bibles. You're going to have a container, an opening day. You're going to have a big old conference. You're going to open these Bibles. You're going to give them to all these nationals. And I said, you're going to see thousands of people, hundreds of people saved. And I said, is that correct? He said, that's what we're praying for. That's what we're going to do. He said, man, we'd love to see hundreds of people saved. I said, then I want you to do something for me. He said, what? I figured I had a little leverage. And uh, I said, uh, I want you to not give those Bibles away until the end of service. Give your invitation. Said, personally work with people. I told him, I said, I don't like raising your hands. I know sometimes it's necessary, but I like people to work with people so that they don't miss people, you know. Say, you know, I just said that prayer, I'm saved. I said, work with people. And so uh, he said he would, and he said, what are you proposing, Shannon? I said, I said, well, I'm getting to that. I said, but it's hard for me to get this out. I said, what I want you to do is at the end of that, after the invitation, after you led all these people to Christ, I want you to open that container and give everybody a copy of the Word of God. Then I want you to ask him to sit down. Then I want you to get up, and I want you to ask him to do this one thing. I want you to go home and I want you to memorize as much Bible as you can. I want you to learn how the soul winner led you to Christ. I want you to memorize those verses and I want you to pray and I want you to ask God to give you one person. He says, and they're going to ask me, why? I said, don't you want to win somebody to Jesus? I'm part smart aleck. So I said, tell you what, that's not it. I said, when they get that one, I want you to ask them to give that Bible to that one person. Then he says, Brother Lamont, he says, they want to know why you give their Bible away. They just got it. He says, man, they'd be saying, why would I give my only Bible away? And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I'll make a deal with you. I'll give you another container of 30000 in less than a year's time if they do it. He says, we'll try this. He tells me all this. I make this a long story. I'm going to make it wrap it up. And he says, he gets up there. He does exactly what he does. He says, he sits them down. He challenges them to do that. And he says, the people that gave us these Bibles ask us to do this. And I, I mean, I was just doing some research and some thinking. It wasn't a, a requirement. I just wanted to know if they can do it. 
He said, Brother Lamont, please don't get me wrong when I tell you this. I didn't see everybody do it. But he says it sure was fun to see the ones that did it. He says, man, they'd be walking down them dirty old dusty roads. He said, you'd see somebody walking the other way. He said, you'd see that man or woman beeline it to them. You'd see them open up their Bible. You'd start seeing them point at verses in the Bible. Then you would see them bow their head and pray. Then you'd see them turn around and hand them that Bible. He says, I saw that around five, six times. And he said, I couldn't take it no more. He said, I walked up to the last guy and said, why would you give your Bible away? He said, because 30,000 in my country will do far greater good than me keeping my one. I told him, I said, brother, you just answered my question. I said, I didn't care if just one did it. I said, that's all I wanted to know. Because it's possible that people can do it. Because when we're talking about the amazing multiplication of the Word of God, we're talking about the evangelistic cycle. You cannot do the work of God without the Word of God. It's the power of God unto salvation. The Bible tells you it's the entrance of thy Word. It giveth light, giveth understanding to the simple. People can get saved by reading the Word of God. And the Kenyans understood that it's my job just to reach one. You know, every year, I don't set up a New Year's resolution, but my prayer is, say, Lord, give me one. When God gives me that one, I say, I'd like to have one more. I do that all through the year because God tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He doesn't just limit it to the foreign field. He wants us as church members to soul win for Christ so that the world may know Him. You see this evangelistic cycle. I've got one story and I'm done. I was given the opportunity to meet a lady from Ukraine. She was the oldest of four born in communistic Ukraine before everything freed up. It was during the transition. They were in the communistic Russian when it started working out. They were, they were freed a little bit, but they still had the rules and the laws that they had to live by until it opened up completely. And they said that we had a copy of the Word of God. They said it was my job as being the oldest to wrap that Bible up into a fabric, put it inside a notched out brick in the fireplace and light that fire. Said for years we'd get that Bible out. We would read one verse or we would read one chapter depending how lucky we felt. Then I'd wrap it up, put it back inside that notched out brick in that fireplace. Then we would come back to the dinner table and we would talk about what we just read. Said for years we did that. This one particular day, I got that knock on that door. I just got that Bible out. I was walking to that table and I got that knock on that door. And I panicked. I wrapped it up, put it in that notched out brick, lit that fire. And as they were ransacking the house, I look over there in that fireplace. That fabric had fallen into that fire. That fire was going into that Bible. When they left, when they left, I pulled that fire, put that fire out, pulled that Bible out, and it was nothing but ashes. She said, Brother Lamont, for almost 10 years, my family had no Bible because I messed up. 
said, I remember the day that dad walks in. He says, honey, we're moving to America. We moved the family, the, his my mom and the other three kids, and we land in America. And they said the first thing we do is go get a Bible. And they said it was like no time had passed. We sat down at the dinner table at night after we ate dinner, and we read the Bible as long as we wanted to, and we were enjoying it. We were loving it, and we were learning something about it. We'd get up. We'd read the Bible in the morning before breakfast. He said, man, I had to get a job to help dad live in America. It says I'd go to work every day and I'd share with my co-worker what I'd learned in the Bible that night or that morning. She said, Shannon, I got two answers. That's in the Bible? Or you talk about this too much? She said, Shannon, I tell you that whole story to tell you that Americans don't love their Bible like we loved our Bible. By this time, me and my wife both were crying. We were weeping like babies. And I'd, I'd heard the stories, but I'd never met anybody that it really happened to. We were weeping like babies, and I said, Ma'am, I wish I could argue with you. I said, I don't know any American that has ever lived without their Bible, been threatened jail or death. I said, most Americans, we say we love this book, but if the government came into our homes and said, you better give us all your Bibles, most of us would probably say, here you go. For 15 years, I've been traveling around this world, and I've noticed that the Bible has become America's number one nightstand ornament. We bring it to church, but we don't have time to read it. So I said, ma'am, I wish I could argue with you. I said, including myself, I said, I've never been without it. I said, up into this point, I've had days when I get up in the morning, I've got a standard where I read my Bible before I leave the house, but my phone will ring, a problem will happen, I have to deal with that, and I'll say I'll get it to it at lunch, I never get to come home for lunch, and I'll say I'll get it to it before I get to bed, and I work late that night, I said, all of a sudden, I'm coming in at 10, 11 o'clock, if I read it, I wouldn't get anything out of it anyway, because my eyes are dragging the floor, I said, I'll get it in the morning. I said, yeah, I've, I've skipped a few days. I said, you're right. Americans don't love their Bible like you loved your Bible. But then I told her, I said, but I'm going to tell you right now, the next time I see you, you're not going to be able to say you love your Bible more than I love my Bible. Because I don't know how long I'm going to have the freedom to have a copy of the Word of God. I'm not long or how, I don't know how long I'm going to have the freedom to open it. I don't know how long your pastor is going to be able to get behind this beautiful sacred desk and open up the Word of God and preach the Word of God. Because one of our greatest tragedies, well, because America takes it for neglect so easy, as, you know, is when the preacher gets up and says, please open your Bibles. There's a lot of world that don't get to see that or hear that. So I want to conclude this with just this one question, and I'm done. Pastor, would you come? My question is, is how much do you love your Bible? Because if they made a law that outlawed your Bible, would it really bother you? I hope it would. Because that book that you hold in your lap should be something that we hold so dear that we couldn't live without it. 
Because if I'm not mistaken, that book is the mirror image of Christ. Because he says in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's why I say it's the greatest book. It's the greatest gift that you've ever been given, and it's also the greatest gift that you can give somebody. Would you please stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Our precious Heavenly Father, thank you for everything. Lord, every time I open up your Bible and read it, every time I open up your Bible and preach it, Lord, you always speak to my heart. And I see your goodness and your graciousness. Lord, I'm so grateful that you took the time to give us a copy of the Word of God. Lord, but even myself, even not counting everything that we've printed, what's in the warehouse ready to go and ship, I myself have seven, if not eight, Bibles in my own library. Why am I so blessed when almost 70% of the world has never had a copy? Lord, I ask you that you would move mightily today or speak to our hearts. Use us now for your honor and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.